I want to welcome our audience uh, to what is also, you know, the eighth edition of the What's Next Leadership Race. Uh, believe it or not, we started 18 months back. We've done seven webinars already as part of this leadership series. And uh, today is uh, the eighth one. Uh, so this is the first for the year. Happy New Year to our audience, to all our panelists. Uh, for those who don't already know us, so my name is Sharad Agarwal. Uh, I'm the founder of onlywebinars.com, a platform we created for having engaging and meaningful conversations such as this one that we're gonna to have today. And uh, we have an illustrious panel. Uh, we have John Scott Turco, who's uh, like I said, based in US. He's a change maker, thought leader, leadership coach, has been doing it for more than 15 years. His company is called Humanix. So I encourage all of you to check him out uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, do visit his website. Uh, he has some amazing testimonials, which I just saw about 30 minutes back. So, hey, John Scott, you're doing a great job from what I see and hear. Thanks, Rajiv. Thanks, Sharad. Congratulations Sarah. for that. Uh, Rajiv Daswani, most of you already know him. He's the always smiling guy based in Dubai. And uh, he runs his own happiness coaching center. And he's been doing it for many years. He talks about conscious leadership. He's a global speaker on well-being and positive workplaces. So happy to have you back again, Rajiv. Thank you. And uh, our third pillar is missing today, Arnold Kalri. Um, he is, I think, uh, having some meeting with venture capitalists. And so he's excused from today's session. I won't be surprised if he pops in for a minute to say hi to all of us. Uh, and then of course, we are joined by our two guest panelists today, the very talented Lara Curry and Anastasia Banks. I'm gonna let them uh, introduce themselves to the audience. Hi, both of you. And uh, Lara Curry, you are the founder of There Is No Spoon. I don't get it. Please explain why you <laughs> called your agency There Is No Spoon, what's the story? And let our audience uh, get to know you. Over to you, Lara. I love that you asked that question. Thank you, Sherrod. Um, so I will introduce myself by actually answering that question, because especially in light of today's topic, I believe it's the best way to introduce who I am and what I do. For those of you who watched The Matrix, either when it came out 20 years ago or recently, and when I say The Matrix, I mean the first one, there's a scene where Neo, the hero of the movie, is waiting to see the oracle to hear whatever wonderful things she's going to tell him and while he's in her waiting room there's a little boy holding a metal spoon and the spoon is bending and so neo looks at this little boy and he's probably thinking to himself well i'm the one who's going to save humanity i should be able to do this so with all the arrogance of, of that position in his mind he takes the spoon and tries to bend it and finds that it's not bending and so the little boy looks at him and says, you cannot bend the spoon, that is impossible. Instead, you have to realize the truth. There is no spoon, it is you that bends. And the reason I called my consultancy and training uh, service, there is no spoon, is because the way I approach things with my clients is to work with them to change how they do what they do in order to achieve the results that they want to achieve. Because you cannot force people to act a certain way or to behave a certain way. It's how, it's their response to you that will be that change that you want to see. And so today when we're talking about leadership, 
um, I feel we're going to come back to this point rather a lot, which is about the challenges and opportunities that leaders have to change how they do what they do in order to achieve the results that they want to achieve. And with that, I will pass um, to Anastasia and allow her to introduce herself. Thank you so much, Lara. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, my name is Anastasia Banks. I'm an executive presence coach um, in London, UK, and also the founder of Power Up School. So ultimately, I focus on the influence and authority aspect of leadership and people are, who are in business. And um, executive presence, for those of you who may not heard this term, or also called gravitas sometimes, is the ability to influence people in a positive way. We're not talking about manipulation or any, any negative side effects that people might uh, think about it, but it's the positive influence and engagement and moving people to act, you know, leading by example, showing grace under fire. In, in essence, executive presence is a mixture of skills that is highly correlated to leadership effectiveness. So, and that's primarily what I focus on in my one-to-one -one practice with, um, with my clients. Um, my background is in corporate sales, and this is how I end up going into coaching in first place. When I was in corporate sales and hospitality, we had zero training, zero mentorship, zero, like very poor leadership and high turnover, which had a detrimental effect on our sales teams, even though 40% of the business was reliant on us salespeople bringing in consistent revenue which was pretty difficult for me to deliver as I was a sales director and I was looking at ways to motivate and engage the team and it all came down to you, how you lead the team. You know, the challenges and opportunities that, you know, your position um, creates, I guess. So I'm also a qualified cognitive behavioral coach and I have master's in positive psychology. So a lot of the work that I do is rooted and grounded in tons and tons of evidence-based research and psychological, you know, premise. So that's roughly me in a nutshell. And uh, thank you so much, Sharad, for inviting me. And I think, you know, what, you know, the expertise that we have across the panel today, that would be a fire conversations all around. And we'll have a lot to contribute to it. So I look forward to that. And I'll pass it on to you to start this conversation about challenges and opportunities in leadership in 2022. Thank you, Anastasia. We have a lot of talent in the room and I'm very excited, just like all of you, to get this conversation going. And this is how I intend to start. I've been a big fan of Alvin Toffler right from the beginning. I read The Third Wave cover to cover. I read Future Shock and read part of Power Shift. And uh, you know, he famously wrote, and I think I, I must quote it verbatim, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. I think this is this was written in uh, the late uh, 1980s, 1980, 1990 type frame. But he's he was a futurist, right? So he could see beyond. And I think in present, uh, you know, COVID times, we are in this environment where we have to add unlearning and relearning to our style of leadership. Otherwise, I'm afraid we will lose touch with reality. And John Scott, you know, I always go to you. Do you agree with Alvin Toffler? Absolutely. I think it's it's a very, at the time, especially, it was a very, very prophetic statement. And I think as we look now at 
our work with clients and, and frankly, our work introspectively, which I think is the, the genesis of all the transformation we're going to help our clients achieve. We have to be able to learn and, and be willing to unlearn. I think that's the biggest challenge that I have with clients is, and I, I will say this, and I say this is many times in our webinars, is a gift of this pandemic. I hate to use that term, but is that people have had this moment to really collectively take a step back and think about why they do the things they do, how they do the things they do, the results that they're looking for and what inputs they're putting. So in my work, which focuses on behavior, um, we look at really how this influences the whole continuum. And you know, I really enjoyed hearing Anastasia talk about her uh, executive presence. It's funny because it all goes into this. It's all kind of facets and offshoots of the same core relation. And, and Anastasia, I've been teaching university for 27, wow, that's terrifying, 27 years. And I always start my classes, the first class is always about executive presence. Uh, because I think that students coming up really have very little um, understanding of it. And if we extrapolate that to a larger sense now, understanding that the most rigid leaders I've worked with are now really malleable in terms of, you know, like, well, what do you think? And they're asking more of their teams and they're being much more inclusive in how they're leading. And, and this is ideal for me in general. So um, I, I do believe it. long-winded answer as usual, Sharad. I think, uh, yes, I do agree. Um, I'll kick it over to Lara to give her a perspective on this. So how do you feel this is influencing you and your work right now and what you see in the marketplace, Lara? Scott, um, it, it's changed everything. And when I look back at what I was doing before COVID, and I agree with you, you know, COVID was in many ways a gift because it did give us that time to step back and, and reflect. And certainly when it comes to leadership right now, when I'm working with uh, clients who are at that level, a lot of what they want to do is coming from what they've learned during COVID about how to lead teams. And a lot of it is to do with well, two things. First of all, I don't actually need to see my people. I can trust them to get the job done, even though I'm not there watching them. And the second thing is about realizing the human aspect of being a leader and leading a team and understanding that people value leaders who are authentic, who are genuine, who are transparent, who aren't afraid and who don't shy away from admitting that they too don't have all the answers and that they can all work together as a team to find the answers that work for them. And that in my view, was really a gift for leaders because it took so much pressure off them. Like, no, you don't have to have the answers. Admit that you don't and people will respect you for it and they will help you find the answers that will benefit everyone. And a lot of that I feel has to do with, well, has, has now impacted that executive presence. And I'd really love to hear from Anastasia if you found that, the, the definition of executive presence pre-COVID and now post-COVID has changed and how it's changed and what opportunities that's giving to leaders. Thank you. Thank you, Lara. That's, that's a very interesting question. It definitely has changed because historically, if we look at Gravit as an executive presence, it is a mixture of skills, but pre-COVID, it was more about influencing the boardroom, you know, commanding the room. You would hear that kind of terms floating about. 
these days, um, I think, you know, I totally agree with you. You know, COVID and pandemic was, it was a blessing for most businesses. And the ones who struggled are the ones who were lagging behind with their mindset because I find that with executive presence, mindset is key. You know, because it's not your view of yourself, it's how you're viewed by others. But ultimately, the message that you send out to others is pretty much yours to craft. And executive presence is a mixture of skills that can be learned. And people who don't adjust to the new realities of online world will struggle the most with that. And again, it comes down to the mindset. What um, Typically, what I see with clients, the ones that are struggling with that, with executive presence and the comments that you'll be hearing, I've been passed down for promotion, something's missing. I need to redefine my value. I need to stand out from the competition. I'm not being taken seriously. And John Scott, leading to your point, when I was lecturing at London Business School of Finance here, uh, dealing with executive, uh, an executive branch of education, most of the students primarily wanted to project more influence, but they just didn't know how. That's why executive presence fitted in quite well. That was pre-COVID. Things changed slightly. And ultimately, when I start work with clients now, the ones who are thriving in these new realities, let's say, are the ones who are very good at what I call three A's of mindset. At attitude, that's your mental attitude towards things, being flexible, looking at opportunities based on your strengths, focusing on what's good about you, how I can optimize that. Then we go into attention, where your focus is, energy will flow. People with negativity who are constant stress buckets, they would not project the level of confidence that the team would require. They will not inspire trust in their partners, um, in a boardroom, anywhere. And they would lose clients, they would lose business as a result. And the third A, they are usually looked at as a pre precondition to success, if, if you may, would be adjustment. It's about your mental flexibility, about resilience, being tenacious, being okay with failures, it's okay to have setbacks. You know, looking at this for any challenges as an opportunity to learn something new, get into an, an attitude of like, right, okay, that's great. What have we learned from that? And how we can make ourselves better, not just ourselves personally, but the team. Because it started with you. If the leader is not embracing the change, the team will struggle. They will lose revenue, they will lag behind, and they will, they will, they will be, you know, yesterday's news afterwards um, what do you think john scott you you've dealt with executive presence how do you think that's changed in your experience well i'll, ju I'll jump in a second but i'm really curious because you touched on so many things relating to rajiv so i'll ask rajiv to jump in with his perspective because i really value what you're going to say i'm sure thank you john you know anastasia you nailed it i mean there was there were so many key golden nuggets of what you threw our way you know we talk about well let's start with adjustment right we talk about being adaptable and agile at this point in time right coming out of two years of what we've all faced, there's a reality here. Human connection is no longer optional, right? Leaders who used to do things by themselves, you know, the egocentric leaders that go, yeah, I know it all. Guess what? We didn't know what was coming two years ago. And now that it's here, guess what? We have to lean on everyone. The human connection is you know, the golden button we've all been, you know, needing to press, right? We need to be agile and adjusting at this point in time. There's no two ways about it. But I love what you said about focus. I know, I know John Scott jumped up and down when you said, you know, where the energy goes. Absolutely. Because if we start to focus in the right direction, I know, Laura, you and I have had discussed this in the past as well. It's just 
all about bringing the attention back to the human element of our organizations and how important it is at this point in time. This is an opportunity like we've never had before, because if you've ever had a team that's stretched to its limit, I think we're seeing it. I, I think organizations around the world have seen a stretch. You know the rubber band, John Scott, that stretches, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people who couldn't take it or, or felt, listen, I'm not connected to the purpose of the organization. I'm not connected with the vision anymore. They decided to leave, right? We're right. seeing it all over the world. But the ones who are sticking around are the ones that are realizing, wait a second, there is an impact we can make with the organization. Something is keeping them there. How can we as leaders, you know, change our attitudes, Anastasia, like you said? What can we absolutely. do? John Scott, I throw it back to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you look at this, I really love those three A's, Anastasia. I think when we look at agility and we look at leadership agility, it's if we step back and really just try to empathize with that rigid uh, leader pre-pandemic, right? And I say this in previous webinars, uh, I think it was April of 2020. Uh, I can't say last year anymore. It's it's just this never-ending continuum we're on, right? So April of 2020, I had a, a CFO I work with say to me on a, on a video call, he goes, I need everybody back in the office by May 1st. And I leaned in and I said, it's over. I said, you have to change your thought process on it. It's never gonna happen the same way again. And he was reluctant to change. And I think now everyone was waiting for the waiting for it to be over, right? Just waiting for, let's just get this done and figure out new ways to work. And then as we've all experienced, as we're experiencing presently, we have these new waves, like we're coming back to the office in this month, then wait, there's a, a spike, then wait, we're coming here. So agility um, and trust, I'll, I'll focus on those two things right now. So agility and trust are just absolutely paramount because, and I use the term radical trust um, because it's not just a little, toe in the dipping uh, in the in the in the pond it's really you have to say well this is what we need to do and um, I have to hire for develop and trust that my people are going to execute and solve problems on their own from an agile perspective as well so it's really when we go back to the core of this particular webinar I'm like pointing over because I could see Lars you know leadership challenges and opportunities I think they're two sides of the same coin as always so I think if we look at this, it goes back to what you said before, Anastasia, about mindset. It's everything, right? And it's always been everything. However, now I think it's, it's taken on even more accelerated and amplified uh, importance for organizations and leaders. So I'll kick it over because I'm curious, Shara. Can, you, I, can you I just comment on one point yeah. Yeah, yeah. relating to what you said? I think uh, now more than ever before, I mean, people are working in a hybrid environment, right? Some from home, some from work, and some rotate. So I think communication is a very important aspect to look at in terms of how are you communicating the company's policies, goals, objectives to uh, people across time zones and across continents. So it has to be very clear, concise. And I read very interestingly, somebody talk about in present day post COVID, there's no point in having a communication plan. You need to have what is called an understanding plan. Are all your team members on the same page? Make them repeat what you think they have understood. And uh, you know, uh, I'll just uh, quote this. Uh, the author of this article calls it the 10 by 10 by 10 rule. And he says, say something 10 times in 10 different ways 
for people to retain 10%. Think about it. What we say and what people understand can be two different things. For an organization, it is imperative to have a very clearly defined understanding plan, not a communication plan. So that's my takeaway from this article. And I think as leaders, we must clearly communicate with our team members and make them repeat what we want them to understand. So we are you know, uh, chasing the same goals and working towards the same objective. So I just wanted to bring in this point on how yeah, communication in a hybrid environment has become uh, so important. Yeah, I can. I don't. I only know you very few, uh, very few minutes here, Anastasia. But I see your face dying to say something. So please jump in because I can see it just percolating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just thinking. You know, my mind is doing an overtime right now, and as I was hearing, you know, what Sharad was saying, and communication plans. Yeah, as as we knew it before, probably are redundant these days. However, what I think is imperative for every leader to have and every business to have is a clear set of boundaries, transparent clear boundaries, both professional and personal, because without that, really, you are, you know, it, it's a car crash waiting to happen. And ultimately, you know, a lot of work that I do, and this is partially the problem as well, setting boundaries in remote hybrid environment is it, it's like uncharted territory for a lot of people. Boundaries, a lot of people are bad with boundaries to start with by, by default. And because it, it's hard, it's, it's a 24-7 job. And I think now than ever, more than ever, leaders are being judged on how well they can set the boundaries and being, you know, slightly firm sometimes, slightly flexible, whatever needed is important. But communicating these boundaries, this is where most of the challenges I see primarily with, with, with you know, with the work that I do. Being assertive, sometimes being mis misinterpreted by being arrogant. People don't want to upset others. The one to people please. And I think COVID was a massive reality check for a lot of people. And Lara, going back to your point where you asked me, you know, whether executive presence has changed pre and post. Yes, it has. You know, pre-pandemic, it was more seen as more like not bravado, but you know, you you put a facade, you put a front, you put a performance. These days I see more of a shift in terms of internal qualities, like reconnecting with your inner purpose, aligning this purpose with the business and vision and getting people to buy into that. Because you lead by example, and if people don't buy into this brand, how do you expect them to sell this product to your clients and customers and your stakeholders? Not going to happen. You know, so it's it's about realigning, you know, the wheels in, in, in the business. But communication is a central part of that, not just communication, but assertively communicating your vision is a key aspect of executive presence, how you're seen under pressure, how you are seeing radiating this vision and projecting this message across loud and clear for others. Yep. So, no, yes, it's important to be transparent, but it's about rethinking and realigning the message and how you want to be seen as a leader and as a business. Because these days, I think personal brands are key. And sometimes they carry more weight, both financially and, you know, impact wise than the business brand. Yep. What do it's you a guys great point. Think? Yeah, it's a great point, Anastasia. I'm going to kick it over to Lara in a second. And I think what I, what I heard from what you were just saying right now, the way that I've experienced this with my clients and myself, frankly, is we're dealing with a very authentic way of working as a priority now. I think pre-pandemic, there was a lot of organizational noise uh, in which a lot of people could hide their, from an, an authentic self, an authentic expression of themselves 
just to get things done. I think now it's it's transformed into you have to be aligned uh, in a, in a really meaningful and authentic way to uh, to deal with all the changes and the trust and the uncertainty uh, that we're dealing with right now. So I'll kick it over to Lara for her perspective on what you're saying. Everything that uh, that you've been saying, John Scott and uh, Anastasia, has just reminded me. It's reminding me of a couple of things. Um, going to your point about uh, brands and personal brands, if anyone is, is so inclined, if you go on LinkedIn and look at Virgin as a company, they've got a few hundred thousand followers. If you go to Richard Branson, he's got millions. It's his personal brand that's carrying Virgin to the heights that it keeps going to. And the reason I mention that is because I recently was made aware of a book called The Living Company. Um, and it's written by someone who spent his entire career at one company, which these days sounds really odd. Who does that anymore, right? Who spends 30, 40 years at one organization? The thing is, it's given him this massive insight into what it is that helps organizations continue to thrive. And one shocking uh, thing, one shocking statistic that um, I had absolutely no idea of is that most organizations, whether they're Fortune 500s or, or not, their lifespan is around about 40 to 50 years. I'm older than that. And when you think about that, and the, the way he uh, talks about it is that there is this shift and we have seen this shift happen from looking at the short-term capital gains to looking at the longer-term resilience that an organization must have. And when you start looking at that, you realize it's not about the money that you're making for the shareholders. It's not about the profits. It's not about the revenues. It's not about cutting the, the bottom line. It, it's about making sure that the people are being led to remain loyal, to stay with this organization, and to make sure that this organization continues to thrive. And this is something that I saw when I was in corporate before I started my consultancy, which is a lot of leaders pre-COVID had this idea that their goal, their responsibility was to achieve X amount in a specific finite time period. Whereas actually as leaders, I, I would argue that our responsibility is to make sure that we are leaving a legacy for those who are coming after us once we've retired or gone off to another organization so that they can continue to build. And sometimes the short-term capital gain, okay, it might, for lack of a better word, suffer when we're looking for that resilience. But if as an organization, and as a leader, you're not creating that resilience and you're not creating that longevity, then you are effectively destroying the short-term capital gain because then there's no organization to make money. And I, I keep seeing this a lot more now after COVID. And I think interestingly, and I'm going to shoot this across to Rajiv, a lot of it has to do with people who are looking for personal fulfillment at work. Now you find a lot of people and sort of this era, I hate this phrase, the great resignation, mm. but they are leaving. And a lot of people that I speak to who are leaving are not leaving because they're necessarily not making enough money or they don't like their coworkers. They're leaving because they're going to something that means more to them. And sort of from where I'm sitting, when people do meaningful work that fulfills them personally, they are happier. And I'm wondering, Rajiv, because you have a happiness center, are you seeing that as well? 
Absolutely. You know, you know, it's amazing. You use the word legacy. And I was going to say, Laura, I love that because we can add from that, right? If it's an individual driven by legacy and what they can create, then the answer to that is the impact, right? So if we want to drive our teams and if we look at the individual journey here as a leader, if we can live through purpose so that we can create impact, and if our purpose can drive everybody in our team to live their purpose and as a result also create impact through our organization, our organization becomes an outlet of impact creation, right? Look at, the, look at the miracle here. It's no longer about my own purpose or John Scott's purpose as a leader of his organization. It's about enabling his purpose to drive that impact, right? So when everyone gets on that, on that bandwagon, when they're working towards their own purpose, but yet the bigger picture is the overall impact we create, the formula changes a bit. The individual legacy is okay, but the impact that we create has much more value. So I think as organizations now, the opportunities we need to start looking at as an organization first, then as a leader, and then as a team, is to realize that we need to start to be more aligned, right? In the past, it was always driven by maybe vision of, of the board. And look, like we've said many times, no one had a manual. We didn't really know, you know, as leaders, we try to pick up the, the, the pieces sometimes, right? We are, we are reactive as opposed to responsive. Now, we see the human element playing such a huge role. And like you said, people are leaving for, to find more meaning because they're looking for happiness, right? Um, this is the opportunity we all consciously must step into now and say, okay, how does our organization create impact? You know, ask those questions because when we start to ask those questions, we start to look for these opportunities in 2022 that we can start to apply. I was gonna say John Scott and, and, and moving it back to, to Anastasia as well. What are some opportunities you see right now that leaders can start to tap into? I know we've spoken about the human element that's big, being agile. What else do you see that people can start to apply in organizations right now? Given the time. Anastasia? Yeah, I'll kick it to Anastasia. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add on to that. It's a great question. Um, so you were talking about like realigning the purpose and being more engaged. And um, I would probably use the word more self-determined because that will really underpin the motivation that people have, the, the deep need and drives that we'll have. Because I think, Larry, you mentioned that we can't force people to act and behave in a certain way. You know, as a leader, you have to focus on what you can control and try to influence others through self-reflection, self-management, self-discipline. Ultimately, what I see from engagement and the things that leaders should be doing these days to drive engagement, drive more inspired and aligned teams are the three things. Provide a degree of autonomy for people because ultimately, if we look at motivation, it's underpinned by three pillars, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. This is called self-determination theory that applies in business like, you know, they go like chalk and cheese. It's amazing. So the first element is like the first pillar is autonomy. So this is for people being able to be in charge of their own goals and align their purpose and choose the, the, the vibe of the organization. You hear a lot of words, people saying, oh, want to create a tribe, community. You know, because community re relates to relatedness part of it. You know, when people choose to work from home, when they have this autonomy of making their own choices, they feel more engaged in the process. They feel like the choice is theirs. And it's imperative for us because when goals are not aligned, it creates a conflict. When there's a goal conflict, we are exhausting ourselves, we're depleting resources and generally performance slaps and people become stress buckets and it's very toxic for the environment and it's never good for business. Competence is the other very simple yet very effective tool that any leader can implement right now, starting with themselves, obviously, because if they're not 
doing it to themselves. They have to practice what they preach. I call it, you have to be a pracademic. You have to practice any academic knowledge that you gather. Otherwise, it's a waste of everyone's time. So competence is about our deep need to learn and develop, regardless of whether you're going to stay with the business or not. Now, I'm Russian by, by, by origin, and a lot of mentality, I've worked with some Russian restaurant owners, and the mentality is quite scary at some point. And they're saying, well, what if I invest in training and they would leave? And then I look at them and say, well, what if you don't invest in training and they stay? Then what are you going to do with unqualified, untrained, you know, management bunch that couldn't deliver any goals? So competence is the skills that people can take away regardless of whether or not they stay, but you're hoping that they would stay because they're learning something new. We're built to walk uphill. If people stagnate, they get demotivated, which leads to the last point, which is, you know, being in connection or being related to something greater. This is where why you do what you do, you know, the greater why, the golden circle, all of these theories apply. But if you combine all of these three together as a leader today, you will hit a jackpot, you know, jackpot, I think. What do you think, John Scott? Yeah, you know, it's, it's there's so many things, you know, as, as we often say in these webinars, we could have a, a three-week conversation nonstop about all these things. And I think when I really cut to, like, to distill this down to the reality I see every day, and it's, the, it's both a challenge and an opportunity is that the senior most levels of organizations that I work with are, to Laura's point in, in opposition, they're only focused on shareholder value because their retirement, which is imminent, is tied to shareholder value. So you have this extremely small sliver at the very top of organizations who are very hesitant to change anything because they're looking only at this metric and they're not really internalizing the benefits of being heart-centered, mindful, and, uh, and also all the other factors that we're talking about as vital. I look at it from the other side, and I have two children who are recent university graduates, and it's wild to hear them and their friends talk about why they work, where they work, how they work. And my daughter's out of school for a year and a half, and she's being recruited constantly. And I'm like, she's like, I need to stay for, uh, for one year at this company at least. And she goes, all my friends are leaving six months, seven months, four months, eight months. There's, you know, there's a war for talent right now. And a war, to your point, Anastasia, it's they're hiring the people. The skills are there, uh, but the people can be trained, the people can grow, the people can add, but they're hiring for who the person is. And I think that's a wonderful long-term piece. To Laura's point earlier, People are very focused. It goes back to so many, we could quote a thousand books on this, right? I'm focused on, in my head right now, the uh, the infinite game. If you're playing from a finite perspective and you're worried about short-term realities, you're playing finite by definition. And what we do at Humanix is really try to help people transition from that through courageous leadership into an infinite mindset and into growth. So when we talk about all of this, <laughs> there's so many facets that are so relevant. I, I, I keep going back to the agility piece, uh, because I do think that in addition to what I always say, you know, the most important three words a leader can say is, I don't know. You know, we are the gift of Corona right now is no one knows. So I tell my you know, clients, this is a great time to ask your teams for their feedback. There's no ego loss in this. Like there's, you're being an inclusive in leader, which is very vital for your organization. Plus there's, to Rajiv's point earlier, there's no manual. No one has the manual on day uh, 600 of the pandemic 
let's try, oh, this is, uh, now we're gonna have a spike. Oh, we have to do these things. There's a manual like this. So I believe that this is a wonderful challenge and opportunity for leaders to take a step back, understand that they're building cultures that are going to drive or uh, kill success. It's that black and white to me uh, and going forward. So I know Laura has her hand up, so we'll ask Laura for her feedback. John, go on. Um, I'm actually going to first go back to something that Anastasia said about the training. And uh, I shared something in the chat uh, earlier, which is uh, something that Richard Branson said, I'm paraphrasing, which is train people so that they can leave, but treat them so that they don't want to. And sort of going to your point uh, after that, John Scott, about the, the challenges and opportunities for leadership uh, right now. When we train people so that they can leave, but treat them so that they don't want to, we're doing a couple of things as leaders. First of all, we are showing them that we do value them and we do appreciate them. And then second, we're showing them that we trust them to make the right decisions, right in, in the context of you know, working at that organization, working for that team. And I feel that going forward from what I'm seeing, the two things that people are looking for in their team leaders, in, in their CEOs, whoever is in a leadership position, a formal leadership position, they are looking for that trust. And they are looking for that, uh, going back to what you were saying, that understanding of what they value as people and how the leadership is bringing those values into the workplace. And certainly now there are so many organizations that are introducing for the very first time actual corporate cultures and values and you know defining those behaviors that go along with those because they've realized this is what our people want and it is absolutely beautiful and i am so grateful that i get to work with these kinds of leaders and help them chart this new path for their people and their organizations it's the most exciting, exhilarating situation to be in. And I'm so very grateful. And I'm sure all of you are seeing this as well. Um, I, I will shoot this back to Sharad actually to, to ask his, yeah, your thanks, view, Sharad. Uh, yeah, I actually want to uh, you know, ask the same question to all my panelists here. I mean, we are in 2022 January, right? It's a good time, I guess, to be planning our steps uh, for for the next year in terms of you know the organizational priorities the objectives for our team members uh, documenting all this making an implementation plan so if you are asked to come in as an outside leadership coach and uh, advise on what you think is the single most important trait or quality or a skill set that you would like that CEO to embrace for this year in present times, what would that be? And before I have you answer that, I'm giving you some time to think your answer. I'm gonna answer this question because I've been giving it some thought. If I were to talk to a CEO, I would say what will really help you long-term is compassion. Yesterday or last year, I was saying empathy but I'm going beyond empathy. Empathy is, I feel for you, right? I, I, I am in your shoes, I understand your pain. Compassion is, what can I do to help you get out of the present situation? So I think it's uh, time for leaders 
to walk that extra mile, right? And be helpful. And that can, uh, you know, uh, do wonders. And in my own small organization, my day job of cyber gear, I'm trying to implement this with my small team. And I can tell you, it's doing wonders. We feel so well connected. We understand each other's problems. We have transparent communication. We trust each other. We pitch in for each other. There are no titles. We are all equal. And many times I'm working more for my people than possibly they are for me. So for me, I would say single most important quality is compassion. And I'm not going to give enough time to Anastasia. It's, it's to you. What's your single most important quality recommendation to a CEO? That's a loaded question. And <laughs> I was just, I was trying to listen to you and think at the same time. I'm like, okay, so if, if I only have like one, one answer and I was breaking my brain and I think everything ultimately goes down to, um, to mindset being, you know, like, you know, John's got refer agility, agile, flexible mindset, because mindset is key. You know, it is any, any sort of, your mindset is your mental attitude towards things. Having this ability to see setbacks as challenges and, you know, not a life-threatening situation and adjust to the environment is key because it helps you to develop your empathy towards, the, towards people, towards situation, towards yourself as well. A lot of, you know, leaders that I work with and, you know, people in senior roles, they're very harsh, they're very critical of themselves, which doesn't help you achieve, you know, any changes or implement any changes in your life and move past certain situations. So mindset is key in my, you know, the way I see it, because ultimately, whatever it is that you're hoping to achieve, it's what you're telling yourself that's blocking you rather than anything else. Yeah, things always happen in our lives. This is life. You know, pandemic, not pandemic, you know, there's always going to be a setback or challenge or something else that crops up on the way. How you deal with this or how, what, ultimately, what you're telling yourself about situation determines how you act, how you feel, and how you behave. And ultimately, how you're being seen as a leader. So mindset is key. My, my advice will be invest in your mindset. Develop, push yourself, think outside the box, get a coach, get a mentor, <clears throat> read outside your normal you know, literature, explore different avenues. Just do something that is not typical of you to really get your brain going because this is where you would see the opportunities if you feel stuck. And genuinely all goes back to your mindset. That, that, will, you, be my, that will be my answer. Point well taken. Lara, I'm waiting to type in your word. Oh, no pressure there. It, it's difficult to, to boil it down to one word because there are so many opportunities. Gun to my head, I'm going to go with vulnerability because what I have seen is that people respond to that. And when I say what I've seen, I'm not just talking about leaders that I've worked with, I'm talking also of myself when I was in corporate. Um, I, I never really saw myself as a leader because I didn't have a team per se. Uh, I just had a fancy title. Um, but a lot of people would call me up and ask for advice and ask for support. And I, I remember having a conversation with a coach. So going back to Anastasia's point, yes, I invested in a coach. And 
I was asking, I said, I don't know what it is that I'm doing. And through the work that we did together, we found that I, I will tell them if I don't have the answer. I will tell them if I'm unsure of something. I will tell them when I'm worried. And they were responding to that. And that is what then helped me help them achieve their goals, help me achieve my goals. So I would say vulnerability. Got that right. Oh, I'm very interested. What to, to you, Rajiv? You know, um, as everyone takes away everything from our list, right? You know, I'm going to use this word and I'm going to use these two words and John Scott's already smiling, but I'm getting there. Show up consciously. So leaders must be conscious, be aware, be conscious, be connected to who you are as a human. And I'm going to say it, guys. I've been saying it. I have the courage to say this. Show up with love. We are humans and we are humans all the time. Not only eight hours of a day where we at work, we cannot be robots. So show up with love. Leaders must do this. The world wants more of it. Yes. John Scott. I've had the most time to think about this as you've all shared. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm, I'm going to go with um, intellectual humility. And it, it's kind of in the, in the vein of what um, everyone's talking about. And, and Laura mentioned this with vulnerability and I do think that we have an opportunity now to, to really listen and hear. Um, you know, I believe that we are at a crossroads uh, in business and culture and society as, as a people um, that to reduce point, you know, we're human all the time. I think previous to Corona, I think people thought that that, that sounds cute, you know, like, yeah, let's do something like that. And they felt like it was nice. And I say this oftentimes, you know, we talk about soft skills, like that, that word bothers me because we're talking about human skills versus technical skills. So I think when you have intellectual humility, it's, try, it's, it's really that point of vulnerability. It's that point of mindfulness. It's that point of leading uh, with consciousness. It's, it's kind of this point of saying, you know, I don't know, like, what do you think? Like what, you know, what, keeping curious, like reading, uh, keeping to your point, competency, Anastasia, I think not getting stuck, you know, in the say, well, you know, we did this 10 years ago, it's because it's dry. Like, <laughs> I actually had a client say to me, this has been working for years. I said, well, I can guarantee you whatever you're going to say next is not working anymore. I said, I don't care what your next statement is. And she laughed, but it's true. I mean, think about the careers that we've had thus far and how we're going forward and how all of us on this call, all of the participants on this call, how I wouldn't even use past tense I'll use present tense, how we are presently reinventing ourselves um, to stay, you know, ideally ahead of all the changes, which is impossible. We don't know where the changes are going. We can't, we're not throwing a football, sorry to be so American, we're not throwing a football or passing the, the soccer ball on the pitch and, and leading a pass, you know, for someone who's going to score. We don't know where that's going. The field, the pitch is shifting, it's turning around, it's inverting, and, uh, and we're trying to predict where it's going to go. So I think intellectual humility is a huge piece of it. Great, I think we've had some amazing uh, takeaways. Uh, it's that uh, time of the day when I start to thank our audience and our panelists for you know, having a great time, a great session with so many uh, learnings and so many takeaways, priceless, absolutely. So thanks to each one of you, John Scott, Rajiv, Laura, Anastasia, I value and cherish uh, the moments we spent together. I thank each one of you for sharing uh, your wisdom with all of us. Thank you to the lovely audience. 
And as I traditionally like to end with a quote from a poet, uh, because Shivon is in the room in the audience, uh, Rumi is again, you know, the one I'm going to quote and it, and it goes like this. Uh, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. And I think uh, this applies to all of us. Let us do what we can, what's in our control. And I think we'll make the world a better and a happy place. And uh, before I sign off, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, everybody will receive a recording of this webinar and a podcast uh, through Zoom. For those who couldn't make it, we'll be announcing another webinar uh, around March. So stay tuned. There is a very interesting session happening on 25th of this month. And the webinar's topic is, is your brand future sensing the web 3.0 metaverse and NFTs? This is on 25th January at 5 p.m. UA time. You must attend this webinar. We've got eight international global panelists who will advise you on how you can enter the metaverse. All right, so think about that and I'll see all of you on the other side. And once again, thank you all my panelists. Uh, stay safe and uh, keep building your immunity. See you soon. See bye you. for Thanks, now. Everybody. Everyone. Thanks, thanks everybody. Bye. Thanks everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.